0: My name is Vida Sister Prince. Today is December 2nd, 1993, and I'm interviewing Ernestine Newman on her life for the oral history project Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is my independent study supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Well, we'll go back. No, 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 we'll
1: go back. We'll go back.
0: And I didn't want to miss anything, so I turned no. the tape on and it's <laughs> running. And I, now I just no,
1: uh, we'll go back to. No, that's
0: okay. I like it when it's like kind of. No. Huh. Mm-hmm. Is, is running and so. Eh, Ernestine, let's let's look at the pictures. I want to see. Mm.
1: Well, that's oh, a wonderful. Well, oh. this is this is Ernestine at a very young age. You. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And, and my mo- you can see oh. my mother love caps. Oh. And then this is so a picture.
0: Of, uh, You're standing next to a big ta- a table and a plant. And do you, do you have any? Do you remember anything about that picture? No. How old do you think you were? Uh,
1: probably about two or three. Two, or three. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is but I just wanted you to You're get an hearing. idea. Is this? This is the cheerleader.
0: And, and which one? Which right one? here. Oh, wonderful. Mm-hmm. At and Vashon. And
1: mm-hmm. Oh, this is just marvelous. Mm-hmm. So uh, I grew up, well, I was born in uh, Kankakee, Illinois. <coughs> Left Kankakee when I was about three months old when my mother and father separated. Mm-hmm. And I had one brother who was two years older than I. My grandmother insisted on keeping my brother, and uh, her mother was young and I guess really didn't realize <laughs> that she should have brought my brother along too. And we came to St. Louis and we stayed with relatives. and. Uh, Then when my grandmother died about a couple years later, then my mother went back to Kankakee and brought my brother. And when I was about five, my mother met my stepfather, Zenas Norman. And that's really who I consider my father, because he's the one that raised me. And I guess the custom then, it was, I guess you call it, depression times, and families kind of grouped together, extended families. So we really stayed with relatives or we had a room in someone else's house. That was quite common. Um, my mother did, well, domestic work. She only made about a dollar and a half a day. My father worked, oh, he worked at the foundry. When he was out of work, he sold cold, wood, he sold candy, he did any kind of odd job. time they had what they call WPA, and, and he refused to accept that kind of help. He said as long as he could work, if he had to work three, four, or five jobs, that we would never go uh, on any type of relief. So this is how we made it. We either stayed with relatives or we we had a room in someone else's house. So we moved, uh, we lived uh, on Gamble Street, 2600. I don't remember the correct address. But those were some of the fondest memories, some of the happiest days of my life because uh, on Gamble Street, We lived in, uh, well, on the third floor. There were two families on the first floor and two on the second floor and we lived on the third floor and uh, we never had to lock the front door, but you locked the other doors inside and it was like a little extended family there even, you know, everyone took responsibility for cleaning the steps, uh, for cleaning the bathroom that was on the second floor. And uh, we didn't have any grass to amount to anything, any lawn, but you swept the dirt. Sometimes we'd make patterns in the dirt. <laughs> you know. But that was your responsibility, and you were never alone. We were all what they call latchkey children, I guess. Our parents worked. And uh, we had a key to the house. We'd come in in the evening. You changed your clothes. You had chores to do. And if you needed any help, uh, you could always go to one of the neighbors, either in the building or there in the in the block. And uh, everyone was concerned about each other, each other's children. Uh, if your mother said play on the front, that's what she meant. You played right on the front steps. You did not leave the front of the house. You played jacks. You played rock school. You made up all kinds of games, and uh, your other friends played on their front, you know, or maybe you could go next door, but not too far. And, well, it was just good times. We we were poor, but so was everyone else. But we grew up, uh, you knew all the people in your neighborhood, and say two or three blocks on each side. So it was just a a, a closeness that developed that uh, I guess you just more or less took for granted. People were very kind and they shared what they had, and uh, we walked every place we went. You know, you walk to school and you walk to the park, you walk to church, you walk to the Y, and uh, that was just understood. When I uh, Moved from Gamble Street, my father got a job out in University City, taking care of about three apartment buildings, and we lived in one of them.
0: Was this in the late 30s? Right, mm mm-hmm.
1: And we stayed there just a short time. And you were born in 1928? 1928. And uh, we had to take the streetcar back to school. The Board of Education furnished tokens, my brother and I and we came back, we called it downtown, we came back downtown <laughs> to go to school, to go to the movies, and uh, the rest of our time was spent out in University City. And, later, my father uh, got a job at, I think, at one of the foundries, Green Foundry, and we moved back downtown on Locust Street, 2708 Locust Street at Billings Torn Down now. And that's where I spent the rest of my growing-up time, going to school, going to Vashon High School. I worked, I had a little part-time job at Velvet Freeze there on Jefferson & Franklin, and during that time the guys were all going away Was during the war and they were in the service. So, a gentleman that had several business names, Leslie Wingo hired a bunch of girls. Wingo. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I walked from Jefferson and Franklin to 28 Focus Street about 1 o'clock at night, 1.30 at night. We would close Velvet freeze, say at about 11 or 12, clean up. We uh, counted the money, prepared it for the bank put it in the safe and then uh, we would each walk our different ways. Each girl went home by herself and we never had any problems. I worked there three and a half years while attending high school and I kept my studies up and uh, the little money I made really was a big help at home. My mother was still working, my father was working, my brother had an odd job. And my brother was two years older than I was. Mm-hmm. And well, we just I don't know what kind of things you'd like to know, but they were just happy days when I think about those days when I reflect on the time. they were some of the best days of my life because we had close friends, we had good families that loved us and were, cons- were concerned about us. Uh, we had church support, we had community support as far as the why I was concerned, that was a big factor too because all all during my early years I went to camp and uh, met a lot of girls from other areas. In fact, when I was very young and went to camp, um, there was a group from Clayton or maybe Ledoux at that time that sponsored a trip for a group of us and I remember that time that he, I guess they wanted to expose their girls to some inner city children. And uh, so uh, we just always kind of branched out, although we lived in what, an area which they considered downtown. Let me, let me
0: ask mm-hmm. you where, where was Gamble? Was it was it Gamble, Gamble is. Was it in
1: you, are you familiar with the old Pruitt Igo site?
0: Yes.
1: Okay. Well, uh, are you familiar with Jefferson Street? Just for
0: the sake of
1: the tape, tell us. Right okay, uh, Gamble Street is is east of Grand and west of Jefferson. It's closer to Jefferson Street, so I guess that would be considered in the Mill Creek. Because see, we never realized we live in Mill Creek. We we always said downtown. Okay, and that would have been east of Grand, yes. I guess, mm-hmm. Yes. So, so most of my life was spent east of Grand, just for, in fact, when I went uh, west of Grand, I thought I was really going someplace because uh, that was a long walk, and we would walk each Sunday. We would walk from Locust Street to Forest Park every Sunday. That
0: was a
1: Every Sunday and we would the the kids would all meet say on the corner we didn't have telephones and if you 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 went to your friend's home and you just stand out on the front and signal to your friend you had a call or whatever you know and we would all meet on the corner we'd walk to Forest Park we'd spend the day uh, visiting the zoo uh, we'd go to the gardens we went to the art museum and then well uh yeah flower flower box yeah uh-huh. it, yeah and we knew where everything was in the museum we knew uh we would visit all of the rooms we'd visit the mummy museum the exhibits we'd visit the uh they had a the museum had a courtyard area in there and uh we knew where everything was so you Well, my mother and father, they were at home, Yeah, but, I mean, but the children did these things. Yeah, the, well boys and girls, mm-hmm. the neighborhood children would just gather and it was just understood on Sundays we went to the art museum and we stayed there until about, oh, time, they had a certain period where they had a free seat section and you get there early enough so you get a free seat. At the art museum? At the uh, opera. Oh, at the opera?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'd stay, you'd, 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 you'd see everything during the day and then towards evening we would all move over oh. to the uh, opera and we would be there in time to get a ticket for the free seat section. See? What did you do
0: back then?
1: Well, well that, if you, the reason why we walked was because if we had car fare, we could save the car fare, we could walk to the museum, and spend some of the money for a treat. We didn't worry about dinner, because usually, you know, we'd eat something before we left. So dinner wasn't that important. Where did you get your treat? Um, usually there, either in the zoo or at the art museum. And, and when I say treat, you only had maybe, at the most, at the very most 25 cents to spend. It might have been a dime, you know. And But the fun was in the trip. You know, it wasn't that much uh, that you were concerned about a meal or a treat, but the fun was in meeting your fr- walking with your friends, meeting your friends, and enjoying the shows. We knew all the songs to Oklahoma and all of the operas, you know, and, and that was the, the fun of it. So you to save your car fare to come back home. And sometimes we'd all walk home, but we felt perfectly safe, just no problem. Um,
0: I think you've opened up an awful lot of uh, areas to talk about. I'm um, I mean, to ask you that. Uh, it's, it sounds really like a very warm and, and, and gracious kind of way to grow up.
1: Well, it was a uh, uh, one thing everyone expected your very best. Uh, it was understood that uh, from your family that you give your very best in everything. In school, it was understood that you give your very best. How did people? I know
0: you're saying it. And I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. But to go one step a little further, how did they give that to you with all the?
1: Well, your family were constantly feeding you. uh, uh, Well, in words, uh, you know, you you do the best job you can. If they gave you a task to do, if you didn't do it uh, well enough or what they expected you to do, you had to do it again. A very good example: my brother and I went to the movies every Saturday all the kids went to the Five Cents movie. You might stay all day and see the movie two or three times. But this particular Saturday my brother and I rushed through our chores and uh, went to the movies. And when my dad came home and he inspected our job and usually had to dust or maybe mop the floor or clean the bathroom or something like that. And it wasn't up to his uh, standards and he came to the movies, had the usher to find us, and uh, took us home, and we were disciplined, and we had to clean, do our chores again, and we missed the movie. We never did that again. What What is being disciplined? Well, it, it, we got a spanking that day. Was very, I can almost count the number of spankings I got on one hand. I mean, it was just your parents expected you to do a certain thing and this is what you what you did. And this is what all the kids did. So, it it wasn't anything unusual. Everyone had the same set of standards. You know, you, if you had certain standards in your home, then your friends all had the same standards. And, uh, if someone acted unruly in school or was disrespected to the, uh, disrespectful to the teacher, well that just brought us to tears. You know, If someone said something out of the way to to one of your teachers, you know, well, the kids would actually cry. Uh, going to high school, you know, we went to Vashon. Vashon was a brand new building at that time, fairly new. That's now Harry Stowe. Did it open for like
0: 1928 or 1927?
1: I'm not quite sure of the, the date, but the school was just spotless as far as the physical appearance was concerned. Most of our teachers had their PhDs at the time. They were highly qualified and uh, the, the whole atmosphere of the school was very professional, very quiet and very, uh, you, you knew you were there for learning. We had, um, everyone was trying to make the honor society, you know, trying to make the best grades. You took great pride in, uh, in good grades, and if you didn't make good grades, you could not participate in all this extra curricular activities, such as the choir and glee club and those other things. Academics came first. And at that time, our graduation classes were like two and three hundred students. How you classes? Oh, I would say maybe probably thirty, thirty kids or something like that in that class. Or less. And uh, but that was, I mean, discipline was no problem because if you if you presented a discipline problem. All you had all the teacher had to do was just uh call your parents, and your parents supported the schools. you know they might not have agreed with what was being said, but you never knew it and uh I'm kind of skipping around, but another thing I want to tell you about is standards in the home. We were on Gamble Street, and when we live in somebody else's house where we had one room. There was no uh, inside plumbing for a bath facilities. You bathe in a what they call a number two tub. And on Gamble Street, we only had two rooms with a curtain in between. And we never saw our parents. Um, right. And when when one person had to bathe. Everyone moved over into the next room, you know, you respected each person's privacy and uh, it was just wonderful the way they shared and I remember uh, we had an over, well everybody had an ice box that you put a big cake of ice in and to have ice cream was a treat because you couldn't save it and I was always a sleepyhead. they went through all kinds of, <laughs> to get all kinds of things to get me to wake up so I could share in this pint box of ice cream that they shared, you know, divided in four ways. But they insisted until I got my part of the ice cream. Now they could have very, very easily eaten ice cream and thrown the box in the fire, would never have known the difference, you know. But this is this is the kind of loving atmosphere that we grew up with. It just screams with
0: it, doesn't
1: it? Well, yes, and, uh, in fact, when I remember my parents, that's how I remember them. Just uh, loving parents, but very strict, and no-nonsense, didn't tolerate any foolishness, you know. You knew what they expected from you, and this is what you tried to do, because you knew that, uh, it would make them feel proud of you. And so, honesty and all the uh, family values that they talk about now, that was just standard. I mean, that was standard for all of us.
0: It wasn't anything to even discuss. No, no. no, It was part of your
1: life. It was part of your life. And, uh, and as I say, the community was just a group. If, if you saw me doing something on the corner, all you had to do was just tell my mother, you know, and uh, that was just no discussing it, you know. Mrs. Uh, Sister Prince said, you know, Ernestine, that you did such and such, and that was the end of that, you know. I. Um,
0: did you have an opportunity to say, if, if it was, was it ever not true? Well,
1: usually, usually they were right. I would say ninety-nine percent of the time they were correct, you know, and you were very respectful. Wait, what? Church was a church was. I couldn't separate. I wouldn't separate any of the things. I would say home, school, church, and and I go keep going back to the Y because that was our uh, recreational outlet, so to speak. But it was all like a circle, yep. just a continuous network. Uh, Churches. We all went to the same, basically the same church, Metropolitan A.M.E. Church. That's on Garrison and Lucas, so that's in the Mill Creek area too. I guess you'd call that Garrison and Lucas. It's still there. Still, it's called. uh, They call it Metropolitan uh, A.M.E. Church now, and they they were instrumental in building some housing. Down in that area.
0: Before it was also metropolitan.
1: Yeah, but it's it, they've added on to it. it it's uh, I don't know exactly what they call it now, but it, they've added on something to the name. Um, but. Uh, and
0: so that was close enough. That was obviously. Close
1: oh yeah, you walk. So walk, and,
0: walk. Mm-hmm.
1: and your friends, your friends attended. We all uh-huh. belong to the same uh, group. We, we uh, sang in the choir together. So, you, you, basically, the friends that you had, you went to church with them, you went to school with them, you socialized with them, you know, and you went to football games with them, you just did everything together. Large family? Yes, large family. Um, it sounds like you lived a very good life, and
0: Except for the times when you walked down in the Forest Park, a um, very close, you know, within an area, if you were within yes. An area. Um, when did you? Where did you shop?
1: In the downtown area, you know, everything was in the downtown area. Uh, we went to what they call. Did
0: you go all the way downtown. All the to way the downtown. Department stores or where there's stores.
1: Well, there was one. There, there were small, uh, what they call grocery stores, right in the neighborhood. But uh, and there were little small department stores in the neighborhood. But basically, we went downtown to to uh, it was called Sticks then, and on Sixth Street, Sixth in Washington, that was a big shopping area. And in fact, when my mother really wanted to do some some big shopping, she would give my brother and I two shopping bags and two dollars, and we would go down to Union Market, it's no longer there, it was on 6th and Washington Street, and with a grocery list, and we could fill up two shopping bags for two to three dollars with enough meat. And uh, vegetables and fruit for a whole week, two dollars. $2. We fill up two shopping bags. Well, see, at that time bread was like five cents a loaf, you know, and things were real cheap. But so with the salaries. You didn't make much money either. Do you know
0: what
1: your mother and father made? Uh, my mother made a dollar and a half a day. My father made probably about seven dollars a week. Rent was like, say, eight dollars a month, and they we struggled.
0: You know, it was
1: people used to give? Uh, I think that's why people used to live together to try to share common things. People used to give what they call house rent parties, and they would sell sandwiches and soda and beer, and, and uh, they'd have music and. People would come, neighbors would come in and buy the sandwiches and soda and beer, and that was the way they raised the rent money. They would call house rent parties. Exactly so what they when were.
0: It was, when it was trouble
1: times, really. Mm-hmm. Then if anxious. the other neighbor had problems raising their rent, then they would give a house rent party and people would go to their so home. So it was like. You supported each supported other. Because mm-hmm. it was, I mean, we were very poor. Uh, As far as money was concerned, but as I told you before, we were never poor in the things that mattered the most. The things that have sustained me through my life were not things of, uh, as far as money is concerned. They were the values that were instilled growing up. The love and the concern that I received from my parents my family, my friends, and my community. Those are the things that made me strong, uh, that I feel that made me a good person. And I have so many friends that I still maintain connection with. And we sit around and reminisce about those days. You know, we'd laugh at the the holes in the shoes and, uh, not having any money and about, uh, we noticed the girls now going to the proms, you know, with the limousine and all these things. We walked to the prom. We put our dresses over our arms. The guy picked us up, and we walked to the prom. The prom was at school. When we had uh we used to, we lived on Locust. We lived right across the street from the Y. Is this the? the
0: this is high school prom. The Pine Street Y. <coughs> the
1: the the. We lived across from the Y W C A. On oh, Locust Street.
0: Wheatley?
1: Yeah, wow. the Phyllis Wheatley. That's where I lived, on Locust, right across the street from that. They've torn that, those houses down now. But when they'd give dances down there, uh, my mother and her friends, the neighbors would get their chairs, you know, and just sit outside and and, uh, and look at the kids and enjoy. But when we graduated from high school, and had uh, our senior prom we walked to that. That was uh, at the school at Bishon you, you High you School. On when you got your no, dress we dress when you we, we dressed you? at home.
0: Well, I you say you had your dress over
1: your arm. Well it was a long dress. Oh. So so we wouldn't tear the skirt. Oh, so we just pulled the oh. hem up okay. and just yeah. you know, put it over our arm. And the fellows uh, came by and Picked us up. We all walked, you know, as a group to the to the dance. So, uh, but I mean, those are things we look on those things as fine memories. You know, nobody was concerned about not having a car um, or anything else, and we we worked and paid for our own dresses. You know, 'cause we all had a lot of jobs. And you remember what your dress looked like? Uh. No, but it was pretty much like probably like uh, like one of these pictures here. And where would
0: you might have bought it
1: like it's it sticks? Oh well maybe at sticks, maybe at uh, Klein's. Klein's was a store. Are you, here? Are you uh, here? right here.
0: Right here?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I was and but uh everything's so pretty. Well, this this group of girls were, were a dance group that the gym teacher started. This was our PE teacher, and each year the Y, the Pine Street Y M C A, had a show which they called the Y Circus. The Y Circus was given down at Keel Auditorium, and they would bring in big names like Duke Ellington, Count Basie. Uh, Cap Calloway, all these real famous people, and they'd give a big show, and uh, it was I guess like a benefit. And so the high school students could participate. They had a dance group, this was the dance group from Vachon, but Sumner also had a dance group called the Spots Rockettes, I think they were called. And you and were called what? Like Les Les mm-hmm. uh but we always performed at the Y circus along with the with the pros, <laughs> and all the proceeds would go to the Pine Street Y for their there. for their what the, the proceeds go to for the for the camp. For See the camp, camp the sponsor uh, scholarships for the boys' camp.
0: All right, and I ask, um, and
1: the girls went to Camp Dairy Cotton. The boys went to camp, Camp Dairycot for the girls, and the boys went to Camp Rivercliff.
0: Was Dairycot away also? Yes, Mm -hmm.
1: near Troy, Uh Troy, Missouri. Mm -hmm. So each summer, I went to uh, Camp Dairycot, which was a lot of fun. It was just good to get out into the country, and uh, went there not too long ago. A couple of friends of mine. were sweethearts in high school and both their spouses died. Mm -hmm. And so they just got married recently and they had the reception at the camp. Oh, that's
0: right. When when you went to Camp Derricotte, were there girls
1: from um, Sumner? From Sumner there? Right. See, everything was involved really, everything revolved around your, where you live since you had to walk every place and where you went to school. So everything that we were doing in what we called the downtown area as Vashon students and black families, the same black families were doing the same thing in what they called the West End. The, the, The children who lived in the West End attended Sumner School, and they had the same set of values, the same feelings and all, and so you either went to Vashon or Sumner or what they call Washington Technical School. Those were the three schools that blacks attended at that time. High schools. High schools, yes. And so when you would you would encounter the Sumner students either through the Y camps or the football games or uh if you knew someone in that area, but basically all of your activities, all of our activities, were in the downtown area.
0: Did you um, did you know anyone besides the fact that you might have gone to camp with them? Did you know anybody in the
1: West End area, in the
0: West End area, or the Webster area, or the Kirkwood area, or the Compton?
1: Not until not until I went to, uh, I knew a few girls from camp, from the Sumner area. Mm-hmm. Didn't know anyone from the other areas until I went to Stowe.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, who came to Vashon besides the people that lived right in the
1: downtown area? As far as I know, those were the only People that attended the shine, just the ones that lived in that area. But
0: are you including the people around Compton that were there, I think it's yeah. the people that lived. Yeah. Mm. Well, see, we
1: all, we all considered that the downtown. downtown. Right, the downtown area. And
0: anything that was further north?
1: Anything north east, of Grand, east of Grand. East of Grand was considered the downtown area.
0: Was there any difference between well, people who were east of
1: I think the people who lived in what they call the West End area considered themselves maybe a little better off than the ones who lived in the downtown area, as far as, far as finances were concerned. Um, but uh, other than that, I would say no. They might have they might have thought they were maybe just a little richer. <laughs> if you can call that richer, maybe a little better, uh, better houses. Um, there was some, even within the in the black families, black race, some might have thought that they because they were a little maybe a little lighter, or a little something, you know, lighter they, in color. Lighter in color, or maybe some of the doctors or more professional people had moved west. but that was were all. they lighter in? I
0: mean, you're. Extreme. Fair.
1: No. Um, this was this was you know how people uh their rumors and stereotypes. No, because uh you can look at this picture and see that these girls, you had all shades of girls. Mm-hmm. You know, so that was just that's the rumor. Well,
0: I know that you know, within every group of mm-hmm. people there are color colorations, mm-hmm. there are teachers, there are all kinds of different things and,
1: uh, and I know that… You had that. It was just a rumor. It was just something that I think that uh, because when I went, when I first met the girls from uh, when I went to Stowe, we were all the same mean there was no difference. and uh, So that was just something that I don't know who even started that.
0: But aside from
1: what other people thought. Um, and you had the two school rivalries, like Bashan and Summer, they played football on Thanksgiving. You know, the normal school rivalries, but no gang, no unpleasantries that, that where your lives didn't crisscross. But what, what, was,
0: what, what was it like for you? to be on the lighter
1: side of the color? No problem. None. Color, in in the way I grew up, color was never stressed. In fact, whites were never, the white race was never really directly addressed other than your parents were constantly telling you that you are as good as anyone else You know, you can do anything you want to do, be the best you can be. See, they never discussed blacks and whites. We knew it was unspoken. We knew there were certain things that we couldn't do. We knew that it didn't take a lot of to realize that you had to go to the same movie. You know, you couldn't go to the movie, say, on Grand. And we knew that when we went to Forest Park, we couldn't go to Forest Park Highlands. You know, we knew that. We knew when we went downtown that we had, we couldn't go in the restaurants and eat, you know, and that we had to stand up uh, if we had, if we went to a lunch counter, there was no place to sit down. This was a fact of life, but your parents had built such a foundation early life that you felt so secure that that was not a problem. With you, you didn't make it. You didn't allow it to be a problem. Let me say that, because you were, you were so strong with your family and your friends, and the and your community. That you were strong enough to deal with those things. They they weren't overwhelming in your life. Your parents were constantly, and and that was everyone constantly boosting you up building your self-esteem and so you always felt good about yourself you know and when you would encounter these situations well you knew that that was was the way it was and you didn't dwell on it, no one dwelled on it you know a lot of people feel, well why didn't you grow up bitter, why didn't you, um, why weren't you resentful that you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that well we were so busy involved in our communities and, and everyone was so busy making us feel good about ourselves until I guess that was the way of protecting us and m- making us strong enough and secure with ourselves until when we faced these things we could handle them. Now that's not, that doesn't mean that there weren't occasions when things weren't as pleasant but people weren't as open with their prejudices as they are now. They were more or less hidden, you know. If uh, the way they addressed you, or maybe what they had to say, I think they're a little more open with with nastiness now. And you know, the, the the big things were apparent, like you couldn't go to the movies, or you couldn't go to Forest Park Highlands, or you couldn't do certain things. But just the attitudes of people. Were more subtle. Then, then I think they're 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 much nastier now. Well, I would say you know people now, if if something's on their mind, they'll say it, you know, or if they want to call you an ugly name, they'll they'll do it. And that's I would say. That's with both races now. It, maybe it's just a, a sign of the times. And even now, at my age, I will go into a department store, and uh, and I know I'm next to be waited on, and I'll be passed by. You know. And this here, I am 65 years old. No threat to anyone. You know. Yeah. And uh, and and we talk about those things now. How the, the little nasties that are just so open. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas, what was it like downtown when we were young?
1: We had no problem.
0: Uh, you
1: didn't feel passed over. Didn't feel pa Now I might have been, but I didn't feel it. Well, of course, I didn't feel maybe passed maybe over. your
0: mother did. Felt passed over. I mean,
1: maybe it Well, child if she if she did, she never voiced it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was race issues were never. A major topic in our household. They never taught racial separation. We knew it was there, but as I say, uh, they were constantly feeding you a diet of, you know, you're a good person. You can you can do it. You can be what you want to be. And uh, you and I, my my dad especially, his his standard was, you are as good as anybody and better than most. you know, it
0: Yeah. It, it seems as though, along with just saying that the, the examples that you gave before bringing you back home so that you would do the yeah. job uh-huh. and standards, uh-huh. they were also preparing you to take care of yourselves and yeah. to do, not just to hear <laughs> the words, mm-hmm. but to do jobs so that you would feel Yeah.
1: Words. And they didn't tell you to do things. Uh, you could see that they had high standards for themselves. My dad was one of the. He was a little tiny man, um, almost bony, but very strong and uh, very vocal. And it it always kind of frightened us in a way that he was going to get fired because he always spoke up. He always spoke up to his bosses, you know, and uh, we just—my mother would say, uh, she said, you know, you're lucky (laughs) because uh, he was a feisty man, and um, but he was a good worker, and they respected him because he was a good worker, you know. Well, he at one time he had a job on the railroad, and uh, travel. He, was a, he said he was a cook, but really he was not a cook. He washed pots and things, I think. He was a cook's assistant. But he had to uh, maybe go out on a run, and he would be gone for maybe 12, 14 hours, and they would ask him what they called to double back, you know, just you get off the train, then you get right back on the train again and go out for another run. And he needed the money badly, and he would do this for a long stretch of period, I mean long stretch of time, but there were periods when he was very tired. And uh, and his, uh, he called him, his boss would ask him to, to, well tell him that he'd have to go back out, you know, and he would just say, I'm not going to do it. And he said, uh, he, said he said, iron wears out, and he said, I'm going home to my family. But you know, Iron wears out. That's what he was saying. He was tired. He oh, was not made oh, of iron, and he was saying, <laughs> iron wears out. But uh, and he, well, kept him anyway. yeah, they kept him anyway. And then uh, and he he was known for having a really well. He was just a little little snappy man, you know. But he had he set high standards for himself. Uh-huh. But he was a good worker. He was dependable and they knew when they asked him to do something, he was going to do a good so how job. How did you
0: feel when you would hear that he did speak
1: out? Well, I guess we were proud of him, and uh, basically, but it wasn't uh, something. He, he did that with everyone. He didn't bite his tongue with anybody. He was a strong person, very loving person, but uh, he spoke out to everyone, you know, about me. Real clean. Just squeaky clean, kept everything, clean wash windows and uh, as I say about the grass. He didn't have a lawnmower at one time. He'd take the uh big scissors, you know, get on his knees and just trim, keep everything, you know. Uh, so and my mother was almost the opposite. Uh, not submissive, but is he was kinda almost argumentative and she was just a happy, jolly, real pleasant person to be around. Real loving person to be around. So I guess they kind of complimented each other. Did she? Did she work for a
0: particular family?
1: No, she did what they called day work. Mm-hmm. So she didn't have a particular family that she worked for. But her day work consisted mainly of washing and ironing, and she didn't make very much, you know, and. Sometimes she would make maybe a dollar and a half, maybe two dollars, and they'd give a car fare and maybe lunch, maybe lunch, and that was about it. But that supplemented what he made, you know. And, uh, Ernestine, when when you would uh, talking about w- when when you would go
0: downtown, or when you when did you first now, when did it first occur to you that they, you lived such a such a sheltered life, really? Mm-hmm. When did it when did you find out that there were people that were a different
1: color? Than you? I think I always knew. I mean, as I said, it it was never spoken, but it was just I guess we were mature for our ages. I don't know, but I think children who grow up in that type of environment grew up pretty fast, you know. Did you ever say to your mother
0: or father, Why can't I go to
1: No. No, we never did. We never we didn't want we knew they knew and they knew that we knew and you we didn't go. And, right. And we didn't want to embarrass them. I mean what could they you say? We knew why you couldn't go We knew why we couldn't go.
0: I I guess I was really I don't to know How you knew why? If they didn't I can't really told you We knew
1: we knew that blacks could not go to certain places. Now when I found that out I don't I couldn't pinpoint it, Mm -hmm. but it was just something I knew was always there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess it was a way of life. Was
0: it a survival technique To to in other words, that it, that's it, and, and we're not discussing it, There's nothing to
1: discuss because it's well, we, because uh, the way it is. That I guess that's the I guess, I the, I guess so. so. But as we as we said, we were so caught up in in doing mm-hmm. living in our community, our daily thing, that that was not a big problem for us because basically all of your activities were in your community. Let's
0: stay with this part. Mm-hmm. Of When times began to change, this was in the this was in the the thirties and forties, forties. Mm-hmm. But now, now, nineteen forty-one. Well, we had the depression. We discussed that mm-hmm. things were hard. But, um. So now, now, World War Two is, is starting. and, and uh, what did that? Uh,
1: See, I was still, I was still basically in that same environment Mm -hmm. until well, see, now I graduated from Bashan in forty six. I went to Stowe in uh, 46. and so I just moved from. the downtown area, as far as school was concerned, I still live there on Locust, and travel to the West St. Louis, which was still all basically black. So I see I'm still, I'm still living in a predominantly all-black situation. All my activities, church, school, and everything has not changed, uh, and uh, I'm going to an all-black college. Uh, we have all black teachers. So, see, just about all of my life it's been that same way with just every now and then just a little exposure to whites. Like the, the week I told you that uh, uh, these particular girls opened the camp to us, and I think that was really to expose their children to some, some black children.
0: So, where was
1: that? Um, Oh boy, I can't, I can't think. Cause I only attended one week. Was it? That, 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 that at it was. It oh was no, school? it was out in out in. It was out in the woods. Out in. Oh. Uh, it, they had a regular camp, but it was. Yeah. Well. It was wonderful. We enjoyed ourselves. Uh, we were amused that the little girls were. I mean, they rubbed us. They rubbed our skin. They rubbed our hair, and uh, they were fascinated with us. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, we just kinda chuckled to ourselves that they would be so intrigued. Probably we were the first black girls. We were colored, at, called colored at that time. Probably we were the first colored girls that those little girls had had, had any time with. Probably were you
0: ten, were you
1: fifteen? We were we were oh, I would say we were about maybe about twelve. Oh. Eleven or twelve. And so when they touched you
0: and your hair or your skin. This is the way
1: we started, uh-huh. you know. And uh, by the end of the week, we were just all having fun together, you know. Did they mean, ask you questions. They ask us questions. They ask what us, kind of uh, "Oh boy, it's been so long." But you know, your name, where you, you know, where you go to school, and things that you do, and 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 just what girls like what girls like would ask each other. And these girls, I know were from wealthy families because the thing that I remember, they all had little diamond uh, club pins, and, and that just fascinated us. You know that they were out in the woods, you know, with their little sweaters and these little diamond, the club, diamond uh, club club pins, and uh, and we all lived in in a big dorm with the beds, you know, on each side. Was it was it interspersed between? It started off that way. You know the the there were only oh I would say about half black and half white girls, mm-hmm. and we all started out in our little little section. You know, and by the end of the week, well, we were all over each other. We just had more fun and and. Ernestine, uh, did you want to
0: feel their
1: hair? Probably, I probably did. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Well, probably did, I, and probably did. We probably. uh. As I said, I can't really remember everything, but we were probably just as curious about them because we uh we had seen kids before because some of the the black uh women in the neighborhood that worked for private families would bring the white children home with them, you know, and they would stay right in our neighborhoods you know until the maid went back to work, you know so We had seen them, probably they had never been exposed to us, so we were curious about each other.
0: Well, that's a very, Mm I mean, it seemed a very natural way, did that, how did it seem to you to get to know each other
1: like that? Well, it was just a fun, a fun weekend, that's the way I remembered. The odd thing was that, the odd thing that that I remember was the rubbing of the skin, like the color would rub off, you know, Um, (laughs) I guess they were intrigued. Yeah. Um
0: those things can be taken so many different
1: ways, can't they? Well, that's this is what I'm saying. Through all of this, we were just a se- secure group of kids. I, I don't think we were probably hand picked to spend this weekend, you know, with the group. And uh but that, it only happened one time. When we would go downtown, well we were busy, my brother and I were busy with our list, you know, we had <laughs> We had our list and our two shopping bags, and we went to the store, and uh, the, the butchers down there in Union Market were used to seeing us come down once a week, and uh, they were very helpful, very friendly, and uh, they more or less you know, knew us because we went the same day, you know, and, uh, once a week or once every other week, and we took the streetcar and went back home. And uh, we didn't do a lot of shopping downtown because we didn't have, uh, you know, very much money to spend. So most of our shopping was done at the local market, which was across the street. Who the local
0: stores in your area? Oh, it was private, away white.
1: Away? Yeah, privately owned. And you, you they were very small, they weren't supermarkets, just little little. Small neighborhood stores. So, so what happened as time
0: as the war came? Mm -hmm. How did you?
1: Well, I was. Did
0: that affect you or your family or your
1: brother? Well, we might have had a, a. Well, my brother went into the service. I was working at Velvet Freeze, as I told you, three and a half years. Uh. I went to school, did my studies, and I didn't have a lot of time, you know, between um, going to school with Harry, I mean, going to school at Stowe, and then going back and working till, say, 12 o'clock at night and doing studies. And we did all the typical things. We just had fun there at school. We were close-knit friends. There were no whites at the college at all. It was all black students, all black Instructors, and
0: uh, so you graduated from Stowe.
1: Well, I dropped out. I met Chris. I met Chris at Stowe, and uh, we married. We well, he was returning from the service, and when and, and decided to go back to Stowe. That's where I met him, and we married in '48, and then we moved to his mother's house in 1403 Marcus and uh, then we started our family and then when my son was my youngest son was four I decided to go back to school I went back to Harrisville. so now when I went to Harrisville, this is when I encountered most of my activities with with the white students with the white professors. Because, see, now here's a a time span. All of my education, all of my early life has been with predominantly all black everything. Black school, black teachers, black church, black ministers. Um, Everything was just about all black, but just a sprinkling of experiences with white. And when I went to Harris-Stowe, now that's when I had my awakening where uh, I had to adjust to white teachers, you know, white instructors, white students and, and uh, on a closer knit theme. And uh, how, how, what was it like to adjust to what was it? What were the differences? Well
0: then what I'm the coming.
1: Well, uh, as far as instructors were concerned, I didn't find, and I, it might have been the times. I can't put it on race, mm-hmm. but uh, not as supportive, not as nurturing. I didn't feel as as secure going back to school. Now that could have been age, could have been a lapse of time from dropout, but uh, and some of it might have been racial. I don't know, but I just didn't feel as as secure. When you say
0: nurturing, you mean that they
1: were as. The instructors were not as, as.
0: Interested in
1: you. Right. I mean, you. And that could have been just, as I say, just. Well, in college, you're you, you more or less a number, you know. But all my life, all of my instructors had, had really taken a personal interest. You know, it was. It was almost like a. Like they had a duty to see that each black student perform well, and whatever that took, you know, a conference on the side or a, a call or whatever, you know, they were always very supportive. And it was a little more—you were—you just felt a little more distant, you know. Um, well, you knew that that white teacher
0: wanted you to do well. Right, mm-hmm. This and uh,
1: I, was, I remember I was in one class when I first went back. I was a little shaky anyway because I hadn't been to school in a long time. And this instructor, I can't think of her name, I can see her face, but she didn't, she wasn't speaking to me as an individual, but her, her theme, her constant theme was, if you're not sure, then you should get out of this class. If you're not sure that you know what you're doing, maybe this is not the place for you, you know. If, you, if you're not, if you
0: not come and see me, you know,
1: Yeah, and this was, she, she was saying this to the whole class, yes. and it was a mixed class, you know. So, I had a little adjustment to make, and uh, I made uh, a few friends, but they were all people who were my age who were returning to school, and this is where I found my support. And so I found, and, and with the black students that were returning to school that were my ages, did you and so they kind of gave me some clues. And we found that it was a whole different ball game. We had to study the instructors as well as the courses, you know. And I would say it took me maybe just one semester to really fall into line, you know. Right. Yeah, they had little quirks and things, but in no time at all. And I, I think I'm an easy person. I'm pretty approachable, and uh, I developed a friendship with with uh, both races. Those people who who I felt had a common uh, interest that I had, and uh, the and and my main interest really was in making the grades and graduating because I knew it meant a lot to my family to the community right now my life i i would say was sheltered more or less but where i really felt the pain was when my when i had my children and they had to face the racial prejudice so uh I don't know if I prepared them well enough or just what, but as I say, it was more open see when they came along than when I came along. See, they're the ones that really got the, the jolt, I think, entering school. See growing up it was it was everywhere. I mean prejudice was everywhere. So in order for our parents to protect us, statements were made.